0: Chapter Twenty-One of the Adventures of Ferdinand Count Fathom by Tobias Smollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fathom, whose own principles taught him to be suspicious and ever upon his guard against the treachery of his fellow creatures, could have dispensed with this instance of her care in confining her guest to her chamber, and began to be seized with strange fancies when he observed that there was no bolt on the inside of the door by which he might secure himself from intrusion. In consequence of these suggestions, he proposed to take an accurate survey of every object in the apartment, and in the course of his inquiry had the mortification to find the dead body of a man still warm, who had been lately stabbed, and now concealed beneath several bundles of straw. Such a discovery could not fail to fill the breast of our hero with unspeakable horror, for he concluded that he himself would undergo the same fate before morning, without the interposition of a miracle in his favour. In the first transports of his dread, he ran to the window with a view to escape by that outlet, and found his flight effectually obstructed by diverse strong bars of iron. Then his heart began to palpitate, his hair to bristle up, and his knees to totter. His thoughts teemed with presages of death and destruction, his conscience rose up in judgment against him, and he underwent a severe paroxysm of dismay and distraction. His spirits were agitated into a state of fermentation that produced a species of resolution akin to that which is inspired by brandy or other strong liquors, and, by an impulse that seemed supernatural, he was immediately hurried into measures for his own preservation. What upon a less interesting occasion his imagination durst not propose, he now executed without scruple or remorse. He undressed the corpse that lay bleeding among the straw, and conveying it to the bed in his arms, deposited it in the attitude of a person who sleeps at his ease. Then he extinguished the light, took possession of the place from whence the body had been removed, and, holding a pistol ready cocked in each hand, waited for the sequel with that determined purpose which is often the immediate production of despair. About midnight, he heard the sound of feet ascending the ladder. The door was softly opened. He saw the shadow of two men stalking towards the bed. A dark lanthorn being unshrouded directed their aim to the supposed sleeper, and he that held it thrust a poignard to his heart. The force of the blow made a compression on the chest and a sort of groan issued from the windpipe of the defunct. The stroke was repeated, without producing a repetition of the note, so that the assassins concluded the work was effectually done, and retired for the present, with the design to return and rifle the deceased at their leisure. Never had our hero spent a moment in such agony as he felt during this operation. The whole surface of his body was covered with a cold sweat, and his nerves were relaxed with a universal palsy. In short, he remained in a trance that in all probability contributed to his safety for had he retained the use of his senses he might have been discovered by the transports of his fear the first use he made of his retrieved recollection was to perceive that the assassins had left the door open in their retreat and he would have instantly availed himself on this their neglect by sallying out upon them at the hazard of his life had he not been restrained by a conversation he overheard in the room below importing that the ruffians were going to set out upon another expedition in hopes of finding more prey. They accordingly departed, after having laid strong injunctions upon the old woman to keep the door fast locked during their absence, and Ferdinand took his resolution without farther delay. So soon as, by his conjecture, the robbers were at a sufficient distance from the house, he rose from his lurking-place, moved softly towards the bed, and rummaging the pockets of the deceased, found a purse well stored with ducats, of which, together with a silver watch and a diamond ring, he immediately possessed himself without scruple, then, descending with great care and circumspection into the lower apartment, stood before the old beldame before she had the least intimation of his approach. Accustomed as she was to the trade of blood, the hoary hag did not behold this apparition without giving signs of infinite terror and astonishment believing it was no other than the spirit of her second guest, who had been murdered. She fell upon her knees, and began to recommend herself to the protection of the saints, crossing herself with as much devotion as if she had been entitled to the particular care and attention of heaven. Nor did her anxiety abate, when she was undeceived in this her supposition, and understood it was no phantom, but the real substance of the stranger, who, without staying to upbraid her with the enormity of her crimes, commanded her, on pain of immediate death, to produce his horse, to which, being conducted, he set her upon the saddle without delay, and, mounting behind, invested her with the management of the reins, swearing in a most peremptory tone that the only chance she had for her life was in directing him safely to the next town, and that, so soon as she should give him the least cause to doubt her fidelity in the performance of that task, he would on the instant act the part of her executioner. This declaration had its effect upon the withered Hakati, who, with many supplications for mercy and forgiveness, promised to guide him in safety to a certain village at the distance of two leagues, or he might lodge in security, and be provided with a fresh horse or other convenience, for pursuing his intended route. On these conditions he told her she might deserve his clemency, and they accordingly took their departure together, she being placed astride upon the saddle, holding the bridle in one hand and a switch in the other and our adventurer sitting on the crupper, superintending her conduct, and keeping the muzzle of a pistol close at her ear. In this equipage they travelled across part of the same wood in which his guide had forsaken him, and it is not to be supposed that he passed his time in the most agreeable reverie, while he found himself involved in the labyrinth of those shades, which he considered as the haunts of robbery and assassination common fear was a comfortable sensation to what he felt in this excursion the first steps he had taken for his preservation were the effects of mere instinct while his faculties were extinguished or suppressed by despair but now as his reflection began to recur he was haunted by the most intolerable apprehensions every whisper of the wind through the thickets was swelled into the hoarse menaces of murder the shaking of the boughs was construed into the brandishing of poniards, and every shadow of a tree became the apparition of a ruffian eager for blood. In short, at each of these occurrences he felt what was infinitely more tormenting than the stab of a real dagger, and at every fresh fillip of his fear he acted as a remembrancer to his conductress in a new volley of imprecations importing that her life was absolutely connected with his opinion of his own safety. Human nature could not longer subsist under such complicated terror. At last he found himself clear of the forest and was blessed with the distant view of an inhabited place. He then began to exercise his thoughts upon a new subject. He debated with himself whether he should make a parade of his intrepidity and public spirit by disclosing his achievement and surrendering his guide to the penalty of the law or leave the old hag and her accomplices to the remorse of their own consciences, and proceed quietly on his journey to Paris in undisturbed possession of the prize he had already obtained. This last step he determined to take, upon recollecting that, in the course of his information, the story of the murdered stranger would infallibly attract the attention of justice, and, in that case, the effects he had borrowed from the defunct must be refunded for the benefit of those who had a right to the succession. This was an argument which our adventurer could not resist. He foresaw that he should be stripped of his acquisition, which he looked upon as the fair fruits of his valour and sagacity, and moreover be detained as an evidence against the robbers, to the manifest detriment of his affairs. Perhaps, too, he had motives of conscience that dissuaded him from bearing witness against a set of people whose principles did not much differ from his own. Influenced by such considerations, he yielded to the first importunity of the Beldame, whom he dismissed at a very small distance from the village, after he had earnestly exhorted her to quit such an atrocious course of life, and atone for her past crimes, by sacrificing her associates to the demands of justice. She did not fail to vow a perfect reformation, and to prostrate herself before him for the favour she had found. Then she betook herself to her habitation, with full purpose of advising her fellow- murderers to repair with all dispatch to the village and impeach our hero, who wisely distrusting her professions, stayed no longer in the place than to hire a guide for the next stage, which brought him to the city of chalons-sur Merne chapter twenty one